This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Everybody, welcome into the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at fanduel.com slash Boston, where, you, where your first MLB bet gets you 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Look who we have here. Old stranger, old friend, uh, Mike Giardi. Uh, welcome to those that don't know and haven't heard the news. Uh, Mike Giardi is the newest uh, employee of bostonsportsjournal.com. He is going to join the Patriots beat with me and uh, is going to tag team it with me. And of course, this comes after the... Uh, the uh how do i coin this well i used i used the word bullshit on twitter at the time <laughs> um that mike giardi uh for no good reason and certainly not because of the job that he did because this stuff always goes on at nfl network they just churn and burn and and don't care um he lost his job at the nfl network and happened to be on the street and as soon as that happened i've been trying to figure out a way uh, to make the math work at, at BSJ and get him over here because um, I just have an enormous amount of respect um, for Mike and the job that he does and his football knowledge. I, I don't think people really understand how much football knowledge Mike has. Like he kind of plays it off because, you know, he's been with Curran and we all know Curran's this big personality and, and, it's, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to ruffle his feathers or anything. I'm just kidding, Tom. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Tom was the show. Um, at NBC Sports Boston, and then he was at NFL Network. But you know, Mike, Mike played in high school, played in college. He's his dad's one of the legendary high school coaches in Massachusetts history. At Falmouth, was the head coach at UMass Boston. Um, so I'm confident in saying that. Uh, well, I'm not a big diva like Curran, um, <laughs> allegedly. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see, I'll, Greg. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we will see. But I am confident that uh, Mike's going to, in time, look, he's been on TV. He's been one of those pretty boys for a while. Um, you know, one of those fancy boys on TV. He hasn't been down in the dirt with us ink-stained wretches, uh, wretches uh, in a while. Um, but, you know, it's going to take him a little time to get his sea legs. But once he does, I know he's going to kill it. And uh, and he's really going to show off his 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 football analysis side, which of course BSJ specializes in. But anyways, that was a long wind up. Uh, welcome, Mike. How are things going? <laughs> Pretty good, Greg. Uh, really excited. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know. Like the, I said, the deal between us got thrown together quickly, but. The conversation started pretty much the moment the news came out with NFL Network. You messaged me, and you know periodically we'd message back and forth, and like, well, keep me in mind, and let's, and and it all happened, and I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I actually, we, we really progressed when I was on vacation, and I was I might as well have been, as you said, in Afghanistan. We're having Seriously. conversations, and the phone is cracking up, but like, it, it just really excited to um, to join BSJ. Been reading you since the beginning. Um, I'm, I'm definitely excited to, you know, show off a little bit more of that football muscle, flex a little bit more of that football muscle and, um, yeah, it'll be fun. There's, uh, there's no restrictions here as far as uh, I can pick up from, from talking to you. And there may have been a few at my, my last place of employment. So sometimes I may have wanted to say or write things that I wisely chose not to during that period of time. And I think that I won't have those same, uh, concerns here going forward. Yeah, without question. And, um, you know, just so people know, like, 
sort of, you know, exactly how we're going to do things at BSJ is going to be sort of an evolving conversation. I mean, really, just in the past couple of days, um, you know, we we got this done and it's been a shotgun, you know, marriage, so to speak. But, they, you know, we're just trying to get ready for training camp. And then it really it's about the season. I mean, training camp will be all over. We've both covered them before. We'll figure out the the, the rhythm with that. I mean, but, you know, it, in some of the early conversations that Mike and I have, of course, you know, I have my, you know, 10 poll things that I do my, you know, my my film review on on Tuesdays and, and, you know, get into later in the week, I get into, you know, the opponent and the upcoming matchup and also sort of my Patriots column on game day, um, reading where the team is and, and how it fits in with this opponent. And, you know, Mike's going to do a really good job of, you know, filling the gaps and making it even more uh, comprehensive. He'll be doing a Q&A. Uh, um, once a week as well. So you get double us. Um, and if you don't like me, and I know um, there are even some of our members that don't like me, you know, because I put out a member survey at BSJ and and uh, one, of the, one of the comments that made me laugh was um, it was like, what do you what do you like best about BSJ? And they're like, my love hate relationship with Bedard. So, I mean, and I was like, wait, is that my wife? Did my wife get in, in, in here? Um, so, uh, you know, you know, Mike's going to, you know, because I, I tend to focus on the film, like in the immediate aftermath of games, like I think Mike's going to be able to like give, you know, some Monday reaction. And and look, he's this is the way with all the writers at BSJ. Like, I don't I don't tell them what to do. I leave it up to them. Like, you know, I might be thinking of writing something and, and texting Mike and Mike might say, hey, I'm thinking of writing this or I want to do this. Like, what do you think? And I'll be like, dude, just just go for it. So I think. You know, right now we don't have defined roles, but I think those very quickly will clear up. And and um, the big thing is like, you know, the people are going to get much more comprehensive coverage. And I think that both of us feel like, you know, with our experience, with our knowledge of football, that as far as Patriots coverage goes, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be hard to beat. And I think it's going to be, you know, worth everybody's um, hard earned money, which you know, we appreciate. And also I should take a uh, chance to mention that, you know, you podcast listeners out there who, you know, aren't sure about going to BSJ and stuff like that. Um, you know, now you have a chance to show, support us and you get a little bit of a deal, 10 bucks off the annual plan. Go there, use the coupon, coupon code BSJ Mike um, on the annual plan. And, uh, you know, if you don't like it, you know, you don't like it, get out after a year, you know, but um, we're pretty confident that, uh, everything that we're going to bring you is going to be pretty good. And uh, we think you're going to like it. Greg, I like the the idea too. You're talking about sort of filling in the gaps. And I, you know, for, I don't even know how long, 15 years, I've sort of built up this network as you do. As you've been, you've been national, you've done all these different things, but I've built up this network of scouts and GMs and assistant GMs that I talk to on the regular. I was even talking to them for the four months that I was unemployed because I never planned on leaving. So, you know, I wanted to stay involved as best I could and have those conversations. And the last five years, I didn't have a lot of places to put those things, like occasional tweet here or there, but that wasn't part of my role at the NFL Network. But it was something that I did before at NBC Sports Boston, where, you know, they, they afforded me the space on the web to, hey, this is what I'm hearing about this position, or this is what I'm hearing about this move from, from these different GMs and, and scouts. And uh, to be able to bring that back, 
I'm excited. I have, I'm telling you right now, I have hours worth of conversations and notes written down from the last four months about things that the Patriots have done, things that have happened in the division that I haven't been able to put someplace. And now I can put them on BSJ, you know, over the course of the spring and summer, uh, or summer now, summer and fall. Um, and I'm just, I'm thrilled for that. And I'm just thrilled to kind of roll up my sleeves and let's get into this. And I think we'll find a great rhythm and I'm looking forward to um, kicking some ass. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I- I'm excited about that because Mike, in his role at NFL Network, he's had a lot more regular access to, um, you know, especially, you know, because it seemed like he covered a lot of the AFC East very intently, or at least the Northeast. And so, you know, he has built up a lot of good contacts there. And that's invaluable stuff that, and, you know, when I've been fo- solely focused on the Patriots and, you know, I used to be a national writer, but that's, you know, it's been a while now. And while I still have guys that I talk to, you know, Mike, Mike has been there um, much, much more recently. And I think I think he's going to bring a unique perspective with that. I mean, people lo- always love to hear, um, you know, what what do other teams in the AFC East think about the Patriots? Are they scared at all? You know, what, what do they think about Billy O'Brien being back in and, you know, things like that. And and Mike's going to have the answer to that where, you know, maybe maybe I have one answer. Mike's going to have about six. So um, definitely excited for that. Um, so, all right, enough of that. Um, and make sure you go over to bossesportsjournal.com and, and join up. We, we It'll be worth it. Trust me. Um so Pat's camp, we are now on the eve of Pat's camp. And right now um, in Medway and Mike's and Millis, um, a lot of thunder and lightning. So hopefully this this podcast goes through. <laughs> um, we heard from Bill Belichick today. And, you know, I guess the things that stood out to me, Mike, um, you know, Jack Jones, I, I, <laughs> Bill had a chance to you know, he, he didn't have to come out and say much, but you know, the tone, whatever, you know, he could have sent a message to Jack through the media, um, you know, by his reaction to the question about Jack Jones. And instead I thought it was the opposite. I thought he was just like, Oh, he'll be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing happened. He hasn't done anything wrong. It's not like he wasn't in trouble constantly in college. It wasn't like he was, you know, in trouble with the team at the end of last season. And it's not like he just got arrested with two loaded handguns at Logan Airport. It's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Regular day. He's here. So, I mean, look, I, I knew I knew Jack Jones was going to be out there. And we'll see, have to see if, if Bill perhaps demotes him for the first, like, few days of camp just to teach him a lesson and put his tail between his legs. But, you know, what do you think about Bill? Bill's comment on, on Jack Jones. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the answers, as because as usual, Bill was not exactly effusive uh, and didn't have a lot of energy. That was one of the answers I thought he had the most energy with, how quickly he answered the question. And look, uh, it leads me to believe that they've done a lot of homework on this situation, and they believe Jack's story. So maybe just mindless mistake, a bad one to make, obviously, bringing guns into an airport but they feel comfortable with how this is all going to shake down and that, you know, all right, well, the league's monitoring this, who knows how they're going to react as, as we've seen over the course of time, they're not exactly consistent with the pen, the way they choose to mete out penalties. Um, but I think their, their feeling is like, okay, Jack's going to be with us um, for a better part of the year, if not the entire year. So yeah, he should be out there and let's, you know, they, they this is the other thing, right? They need him. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, 
he's a, he showed that he could be a good player in this league before he got hurt. And he's also cheap, which is something that they love down there. So good player who's cheap. Um, you find ways to, to keep that player. Now, if this player was underperforming or more expensive, not a good player at all, like he'd have been gone. They would have wasted no time wiping their hands of that. Go ahead. See you later. This is different. They're going to stand by their guy. They need the player, quite frankly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Let me let me play devil's advocate because I think I also heard um, Felger talking about this today, and he said something similar along the lines of, "Well, they've already obviously done their due diligence, and they 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 don't think this is that big of a deal." I don't know if I believe that. I I don't know whether I trust these guys, especially Bill Belichick, to do due diligence. I mean, you, yes, after Aaron Hernandez, we did hear and take responsibility and talk about how it's going to change how they evaluate people, but. I think there's a, an equal chance that they are they're just they have their head in the sand and it's just like well um you know the 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 legal course is going to run its course which will probably take about a year at least right. if it's not kicked before then and I I don't think they want to know. I mean if if you know you talk to people and they say like you know, that Jack Jones and guns, this is not a, a, a recent development, that this goes back to college as well. And for a lot of teams and a lot of players, there'd be a lot of concern and uh, perhaps intervention on this. And maybe that's going on. I don't know. But I think, you know, yeah, could they have done their due diligence and they, and they don't think it's a big deal? Yeah. But I also think there's an equal chance that they're just skipping over that and just, you know, hoping for the best because he is talented and they need him and, you know, they, they can't afford not to have him. So I don't know. Yeah, Greg, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that that doesn't happen in the league. Obviously we see it all the time. There, there are, um, for lack of a better term, there are bad guys in every locker room. There are guys that have all kinds of issues and the team will go out of their way to, to protect that player, cover those things up because the player is important to them on the field and they'll try to do their best to make it work. The one thing I would say about the Patriots, if they are in fact turning a blind eye to this, kind of shame on them because and Aaron Hernandez was an extreme circumstance here, mm -hmm. but you lived through that and there were some things that happened during that process and the way the team handled it that were not good. They don't, they don't want to talk about it. I don't quite frankly really want to talk about it anymore. What happened happened, but I would think based on that, then you, sh you got to be a little bit better about it. You should be a little bit smarter about it because you don't want to run down that same path again. And I'm not saying he's going there. I'm just saying we're talking about an escalation. And as you mentioned, a guy who has had a history of some trouble off the field and a quick little column spoiler for tomorrow morning. I wrote about a little bit about Jack Jones. There were teams that took him off his board, right? There, there were there mm -hmm. were multiple NFL teams that said no, 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 no. Even though they realized this guy has the potential to be a good NFL player, but there was just too much in the background for them to say, "Yeah, we want this guy in our in our room." So Patriots decided they could handle it, and now they've already presented with a couple strikes with him. Obviously, not just this, but then how last year ended with him being on the team suspended list for, among other things, not wanting to uh, show up on time for his knee rehab. Yeah, I, I I could just the one thing I think we can both agree on is that if if things don't go well with Jack Jones off the field, I don't want to hear the Patriots crying like that. We got duped like they did with Hernandez. They they everyone has their eyes open now. You know, they Jack Jones had a slip up. Um, 
you know, at the very least. And, um, you know, how they react to this will shape this young man's career, not in total part, but in a small part. And, you know, if they if it's just business as usual and he gets in trouble down the line, like I don't want to hear any excuses from the team. Cause that's not, yeah, there, it's not valid. No, there, should, there should be none. Like you said, either they've, they've cast a blind eye toward or they, they did their research and feel good about their research here, but either way we'll, we'll find out proof's going to be in the pudding. Uh, other comments from Bill uh, Lawrence guy um, reported. I don't think that's any big news. I mean, he's a, you know, he had a, you know, he, he held out there in minicamp. A lot of guys do that when they're not happy with their contract. We'll, we'll have to see whether, you know, he has a hold in, um oh my groin's bothering me yeah i can't i can't practice today that sort of thing yeah i mean that's that that's possible um bill didn't say much about deandre hopkins of course um i had a uh he did call aaron Rodgers uh a great player um but didn't comment much on that i had a nice little back and forth with bill about um trent brown just to get the training camp off on the right foot and (laughs) i i i know he missed me um but at least i did get him to say that trent brown's been here for four days um which was news and that he looks good and he's ready to go along with juju smith schuster and ty Ty thornton um Surprisingly, not many questions about Mac Jones. There was one Mac Jones sort of new offense related, but Bill wasn't put in a position to comment on Mac Jones at all. We probably fumbled that a little bit. Um, but anything else from Bill that stood out? No, I thought it was pretty pretty bland and pretty blah. Like the the interesting thing to me, like the Hopkins thing. Um, you know, oh, there's thousands of players in the league and there are hundreds of thousands of whatever they all go through. And, you know, if you don't get them, there's 31 other teams. Well, you know, not that he's going to say they fumbled the bag, but all they had to do was give him a little bit more money and he probably would have been here. They they chose not to. Now he's with the Titans and he's, you know, he had his press conference today with the Titans and he's, you know, I part of the reason I'm here is because of Derrick Henry. And another part of the reason I'm here is because Tannehill and his wife came to the facility to meet me and I'm thinking to myself, no, the reason you're there is because they gave you two years and $32 million potentially in earnings and and more in the first year than the Patriots are willing to do. And um, look, I, I still think it was a mistake uh, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but um, they could have used that guy on the field, even if he's not what he was once, what he once was. But uh, without question, I think we agree on that. One other comment that sort of stuck, stuck out to me and, you know, maybe it's just me being, me um but you know he was asked about he was asked a question it was the last question at the press conference about like you know because so many guys new guys are back on defense like you know can you can you start at a higher level and he basically said like no you you got to go back for everybody or else you know you're playing catch up and i just noticed that he was like you know he named like gonzalez white and mapu and chris board and i'm like it's just struck me that like you know that's pretty much all they added this year. And like, <laughs> yeah. along with Juju, like that's it. Yeah. Pretty, uh, nondescript, yeah, pretty nondescript off season. Um, yeah. I would say, uh, at where you look at the, you know, we look at the AFC East in particular, and I just, did you, how much did you close the gap on paper? I don't think you really closed it all that much, if at all. So, uh, again, they, they got all four teams have to reestablish themselves and, and do it on the field. But, um, I think they got some work cut out for them here. We will get into our thoughts, our early thoughts, sort of camp preview of offense and defense after we tell you about FanDuel. 
Okay. And we're back. Uh, so, offense, Mike. Um, you know, let's start with the quarterback. Um, where where do you think he is? Sort of my thoughts. I thought he had a good uh, minicamp and offseason. Um, I don't think it was sensational. I don't think it was, you know, 83% completion percentage good or anything like that. I think that said more about the level of competition and, you know, not being in pads and stuff like that. Um, but, I, you know, I think he's in a good place. I do think, you know, for – you know, relative to what they do. I think he has enough around him pending the offensive line, which we'll get into. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Mac, to me, Mac looked to be in a much better place, at least just on offense. Like I don't, he didn't want to seem to have much to do with Belichick during the offseason practices. We'll see if that changes. Maybe Bill gives him a big hug on the first day just to shut us up, um, which Bill has done in the past. But I think that Mac Jones, to me, looked like a guy who was super excited to be with a guy like Billy O'Brien. I think the, that some of the things we saw on the field, you could tell was the bones of the Patriots offense, but with an Alabama spread offense type flair which is somewhat exciting if the patriots have the horses to run that sort of thing um but where where do you think mac jones is going into you know year three after what happened last year like where do you think he is mentally and you know i'll ask you because i'm sure people have heard my thoughts on this like do you think there that that there could be a competition with bailey zappy at some point so I hope I leave that door open for that, Greg, if only because of the way the first five weeks of the se- the regular season shake out. Like there are some really difficult opponents in that opening stretch, including I include the Saints in that bunch because Dennis is Allen's Dennis Allen's defenses, they're very good. Obviously, in his rookie year, he struggled against them, although John o. Smith didn't help bang a couple balls to Saints defenders. Um, but he he always seems to come up with a good plan. So I, I look at that first five games and I say, there is some urgency here for him, um, not only because he's got to win Bill back, but I think there are some teammates that he has to win back as well, based on how last year went. Then there, of course, is the fan base. We heard, you know, we heard the zappy chants uh, a number of times during the course of last year, which again is a far cry from where we were as his, as a rookie, where people really thought like, hey, they found, they got the next guy, they found the next guy. He might not be Pat Mahomes, but this is someone that they feel like they can win with. Um, so there is, to me, there is a little bit of, not, not even a little, there is pressure to perform early. Like if they lose, but he's playing well or well enough, fine. I think he'll be fine. But if it's, if he struggles, the offense struggles and they're one and four after five games, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Bill said, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've seen enough of this kid for the last year and a half and I'm not doing it, but to the mental side of, of where Max at. I think, and he told us a number of times last year, right? I want to be coached hard. I think at times he was coached hard last year, but he didn't feel like he was coached well. And now with having Bill O'Brien, it's someone he respects. It's someone who, you know, he has a track record. It's someone where there is some shared history, whether we want to make too much out of, or people made too much out of the him helping Bill learn the Alabama offense. But I'm just saying in general, they know the same people. They talk to the same people. There is a comfort level there. And I think Mac looks at Bill and says, much like Josh two years ago, he has answers to some of the things that I'm going to see 
that I didn't get last year from the coaching staff that I didn't get from Joe and I didn't get from Matt. And I'm going to get those from Bill. And I think he's looking forward to that. I think he wants all of it. And I, and I spoiler again uh, for my column tomorrow, but like I've had so many people tell me like he just put his head down and he grinded all off season. He worked like I'm going to get back. Like I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to get back to, to the guy that I believe I am the guy that you thought I was before last year happened. And I, I think that's great. I, lo- I love that sort of attitude. Like, even when in the offseason there was the talk about, well, is it going to be a real competition with Zappi heading into OTAs? Is it going to be a real competition? I was told he didn't care. He was totally unfazed by it. Like, bring it. If he want, if that's what they want to do, do it. I'll beat him out. That's how good I feel about myself, and that's how good I feel about the situation now because I have a real coach that I respect alongside. Yeah. As far as the passing game goes um, in general, like to me, I think one of the biggest things is – Juju Smith-Schuster has to hit the ground running. Like, he wasn't there, like, basically all offseason um, dealing with the knee. Apparently, it's fine now. But, like, you know, the the Patriots made the decision to move on from Jacoby Myers, basically cheap out a little bit on Jacoby Myers, and um, which I think was was the wrong thing to do. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, you know, Juju – you know, because he's replacing Myers and because it was so easy for the Patriots to bring Myers back, like Juju has to be as good as Jacoby or better this first year or else it's a complete bust. And and, and not having that guy, if, if he's not that type of guy for Mac Jones, it's going to be disastrous for the passing offense. So Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that I will be watching very closely. I, you know, it, I, I'll be watching how they use the tight ends together. Like, I think Gesicki's just a big slot receiver. He's not really a tight end. He's a, you know, he may, he makes Travis Kelsey look like Gronkowski, um, the way he plays the position. And Devontae Parker's another guy who has to stay on the field. And, and t- the same with Tyquan Thornton. I mean, Mike, I don't know about you, but to me, this whole thing about their passing game is like, in theory, in on paper, they have enough to compete if the defense is really good, if the special teams is good. They have enough on offense, but they are counting on a bunch of guys that have not exactly been uh, you know, durable throughout their careers. And if any of these guys start getting picked off the practice field and stuff like that, the trickle-down effect could be pretty bad. Yeah, it's massive. And it's, you know, like I made a comment last, I think it was last week or two weeks ago about, you know, the interest in Denzel Mims. And so you first, you have the Hopkins flirtation, bring him in for a visit. Then there's the reported interest in Mims and they're two different players. Obviously Mims is, is a, is a depth guy. And obviously Hopkins would be someone who would ascend to the top of your pecking order immediately. But to me, it sort of speaks volumes about where they are at that position because they could have used both. That's how I felt about it. You know, if you have Hopkins as the one, and again, even if he's not the same guy, and even if teams over the course of time figure, hey, six or eight games in, like, dude, we don't, we don't have to shade coverage that way, or we don't have to, we don't have to alter things for him. Well, if you get that for six or eight games, that's six or eight games that helps your passing game while everyone else develops. I think that's where the juju thing, he slides in. Now he's the number two, not the number one. He's playing the second corner, Kendrick Bourne, so on and so forth. You had advantages there you could take advantage of. Now you don't have that. Now you have Juju. It's clearly going to be someone that they're going to look at and say, well, if we can take that, if we can take that guy out of the game, we worried about Devontae Parker beating us. Are we worried about Kendrick Bourne beating us? And Taekwon, we don't know what Taekwon is yet. I, I, I say a million times, I think they have high hopes for him. 
We saw a couple flashes last year, both in the in the preseason before he hurt the clavicle, and then you know a couple times during the regular season. Well, we also saw a guy who was running the wrong routes in week 17. Now he missed some time, so okay. But you know, by week 17, shouldn't you have most of this down? Do I have to see you run the wrong route three or four times when you're running 10 or 11 routes over the course of a game? That's a pretty high percentage. And that's got to, for me, that's that's another thing we'll be watching here in camp. Spacing concepts. Are they making the right decisions out there? Is he is he advancing? Because he does have something that, you know, they don't have. And that's just pure electric speed. And if he and Parker are sort of double teaming that outside position and you're getting production out of that, then, yeah, there is there's enough here to to be competitive. But, boy, it's really, really thin. And again, they signed Jalen Hurd. And, he's someone who's bounced around the league, but I, I like coming out of school. Um, maybe he can be a depth piece, but again, not someone that if you start picking off pieces that you say, oh yeah, we'll be fine. We'll just roll Jalen Hurd in there. Or we'll be fine if you have to bump Kendrick up to a number one spot because of injuries. Like I, that's just, that's not how they're built. They need all those guys to be on the field. Yeah. I think we, we pretty much know the issues of the offensive line. I, you know, I like the interior. I'm anticipating Cole Strange improving. I mean, at times he played well as a rookie. At times he was a rookie, and that's to be expected. So I, I it, to me, it wasn't an indictment of, of him as a player or as a first-round pick, but he's got to take a step forward this year. He finally has a real offensive line coach. I mean, it didn't really last year. I mean, just Billy Yates is the assistant lines. He was the assistant line coach to Matt Patricia last year, and you know, Yates is okay, but he's not an upper echelon coach. Now they have Adrian Clem. Well, they're paying him a lot of money. He, They should, you know, have a good interior. We all know it's, you know, Trent Brown. It looks like he's in shape. Bill says he's in shape. Um, you know, that's a big thing for the – I mean, that's a huge thing. I think it's a huge thing for the whole team that if Trent Brown can go out there and play 17 games of a good left tackle, then you can deal with right tackle. You can figure that out. You can give help no matter, you know, who it is. Um but let's let's go into you know a couple a couple superlatives uh, so to speak for the offense. Mike, um, give me a guy on offense that you think you know will surprise. I think Strong has a chance. I, I just think there's going to be some opportunity for him, and I think they would love for one of the younger backs, Harris or Strong, to sort of emerge. I mean, they they flirted again. They had Fournette in. Daryl Henderson was in here as well. Um, as they kind of, are you sure about that position? But I think those guys have got plenty of opportunity here during the, the preseason, during the summer. And there's, uh, there's a chance for them to, to, to shine here a little bit. And look, I know a lot of people are excited to have Ty Montgomery back. He's another guy that he just can't stay on the field. So I can't like, it's nice. You try to pencil him in as your third down back. I, I can't, I, I, for me, it would be better if strong was able to be the guy that emerges there as someone uh, because he's younger, he's cheaper, and to this point in his NFL career, you know, very very small sample size, he's been durable. So that's that that's something I look for and say, I'm curious to see how those guys look after a full uh, off season in the strength and conditioning program. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good call because I think both you know Harris and Pierre Strong. I mean the door is open for them to walk sure. into Kevin Harris as the backup to Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong as the third down back. Like the job is there for them to go and grab it, and they're definitely going to get that opportunity. For me, 
the name that will surprise, of course, I'll stay in the offensive line. I'll just stay, you know, I'll stay. In I, I, left, I left this right for you. I said, can I go offensive line? No, no, leave that for Greg. Leave it for Greg. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go Jake Matthews, um, one of their um, 18 interior offensive linemen that they selected in this draft. Um, you know, from this perspective, uh, Michael Wenning is, is on PUP. Um, it'll be, you know, Matthews and Moffey and, and, you know, some other guys, probably Ference, and they'll all get opportunities there. But, um, you know, I think Jake Matthews will get a chance. And, and here's the thing that, you know, the dominoes that could fall. You know, if Jake Matthews looks good and say they're struggling at right tackle, that perhaps gives them the opening to say, you know what, let's leave Matthews there. Let's put a Wenu at right tackle where he did play well as a rookie. I mean, everybody that's anytime anything goes wrong with the Patriots offensive line. Can we move a Wenu? like the, in, the Patriots just do not want to do that. They don't want to do it. But in their circumstance, they could. But here's the other thing. You know, say say somebody like Calvin Anderson or Riley Reef does show well at right tackle. They think they're fine. And when he goes back to the right guard spot, you know, if Jake Matthews proves himself and they like what they see, I don't rule out the possibility that they would trade David Andrews sort of like Logan Mankins type deal if they think the rookie is ready. I mean, I really think center is his best position anyways. Um, but, you know, why I don't think that's going to happen, I, funnier things have happened with this team. And uh, so that that's, I think that's possible. Uh, Mike, give me one name that will disappoint on offense. Devontae Parker got his, got his, got his contract, even though it's sort of a reduction in number, if you will. Um, he, he looked completely disinterested all but for one practice at mandatory minicamp. And that just so happened to be right around the time that we started talking about DeAndre Hopkins coming here. Um, he's someone who, if you look at his production, has declined in each of the last four years. He's someone that we know. At one season where he played 15 of the 16 or 16 of the 17, whatever it was, but he doesn't play full seasons. Uh, I think he just sort of, he comes and goes. There are moments where you, you say to yourself, oh, I, I see why he was a first round pick seven years ago. And there are times you say, well, I see why the Dolphins didn't care about trading him within the division because there are times he just doesn't look like he wants to play. So um, good guy by all accounts, um, fine in that room, you know, like by his teammates. But I just I don't I don't I don't get the fascination with Devontae Parker, I guess, if I want to pull a like Bob Ryan and J.D. Drew situation here. I just don't quite get the fascination. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the same position group, um, and I don't disagree with that. Um, and I'm going to go uh, Kayshawn Booty, uh, the sixth-round pick out of LSU. Speaking of a guy that was off a lot of boards, um, I just – Nobody at LSU, Greg, was unhappy that he left. They were, see you later. Thanks for everything or nothing. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, it, he, like, you know, look – do I think the kid has talent? Yeah. I mean, it's look at his freshman tape. It was unbelievable. But from that point on, he was not anything close to being a professional. I don't know why anybody thinks he's going to be now. Um, there's a reason why he was returning to LSU and then suddenly he wasn't. Um, you know, I don't think he worked out well before the draft, which still caused him to go like, you know, he was sort of late round priority free agent type of guy. Um 
And, you know, I guess there was a viral video for a short time of, you know, Bill O'Brien, like, you know, chewing him out um, during one of the OTA practices. And I, I just, I have a hard time seeing that guy um, doing the things necessary to stay in the field and, and, and to pop. I mean, he is, he is definitely like a prime sort of practice squad guy where you're like, look, we're going to give you a chance, you know, prove yourself every day, day in, day out, 365 for a couple of years. And then maybe we'll talk. But I think the Patriots fans who look at his freshman year tape and think that that guy's going to be out there this year for this team. I'm sorry. It's a pipe dream. I think DeMario um, is it Douglas, who is the other the wide receiver that they drafted. I think that guy has a much better chance of making an impact on this team than Booty does. Well, and it's interesting too because if you if you go from the OTAs and mandatory minicamp, Cunningham slash quarterback now receiver, like you saw some signs of life there. He's another sort of intriguing guy that actually when I sort of throw them all together, I, I I'm curious to see about Cunningham's development. They've had some success with players like that. Obviously, Julian Edelman is one of them, but they, they've had some some players that they've sort of altered positions or or messed around with for a little bit and gotten some production out of and. He's a he's a terrific athlete. Um, he's a confident kid. Making a switch to wide receiver, it's not going to be easy. But he's someone that I could see, like you know, back half of the year, after some time on the practice squad, you need a roster spot. Maybe he can come up and give you a little something. I think he's someone I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, sort of enjoy watching here during training camp and see if he can make any headway in that in that wide receiver room. On defense, um, you know, to me, we'll go through the three units real quick. But you know, for me, the guys that I think. This team, they need to pop um, Christian Barmore, number one, um, because he's immensely talented. And even when he finally got out there last year, he did a really good job. Um, you know, Keon White, it would be nice to see him um, show why he's a second round pick. And, you know, because right now it looks like he's not going to get much time. But that that's where cha- training camp is to change people's minds and preseason games. And, and, you know, if he pops, you know, maybe all of a sudden Dietrich Wise is now a veteran backup. Um, type of thing. I mean, I think we know we're going to get out of Judon. Uche, I expect to do the same thing. He's in a contract year. Um, I don't think anybody else is really, you know, gotcha is the same thing. We know what we're going to get. I don't really think they have much talent, um, you know, elsewhere in that group. Linebackers sort of the same, depending on, you know, how the safeties um, come out and like, is Mapu more of a linebacker or is he more of a safety? And, you know, we'll have to, um, see on that and you know in the secondary all eyes on who's going to replace Devin McCourty who's going to somebody's got to be the guy when it's third and 10 against Josh Allen that's in the middle of the field I mean they could talk about disguising and they don't know who's going to be where and all that stuff but that's a bunch of bull bull crap Uh, you know when you're facing you could talk about all that stuff all you want but when you're staring down the barrel of Josh Allen somebody better be back there doing the job or else you're going to be giving up 60 yard touchdowns. And, you know, I get, you know, I guess, you know, Jalen Mills, I don't think Adrian Phillips was fast enough for that, even though he has the head for it. Um, But, you know, those are the things. And of course, you know, Christian Gonzalez, the number one pick, Um, is he going to look the part? Is he going to look the part when they put pads on? Because the physical nature of the the position is what a lot of people have questions on, you know, to, to me, those are the big things for me on defense. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the McCourty thing. I, someone asked me the other day, like, did they do enough to replace Devin? I'm like, no. And even if they had tried to replace Devin, I'm not sure that you could replace Devin just because of the the institutional knowledge that he had, the trust that they had in him. 
Like, I mean, we're not just talking about setting up the secondary. At times, he's setting up the entire defense. Um, so you're losing so much brain power there. And even though he wasn't what he once was, if you notice, not a lot of times that people get behind him in the secondary. Like, he played his angles well. He was able to cover mm-hmm. up for maybe that half a step that he lost. Um, so, again, not maybe not the same player. But if he'd come back, I think they would have been happy. Uh, and I think I would have been like, all right, well, you know, like he's not what he was, but he's still he's still plenty good enough to get them where they need to be. And I think you saw that for a better part of last year. So I, I don't. It's probably not going to be one guy. It's probably going to be, you know, could it be Bledsoe if he has a good week of practice? Could it be? Is it Mills? Is it you know, I, I don't I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's a bit of a revolving door early in the season. I mean, I think they'll eventually have to settle on someone. I'm just not sure who that someone is. I didn't hate the idea of maybe moving John Jones back there. Um, but again, when you start to look at the corner depth and whether Jack Jones, you know, again, we don't know how that's totally going to play out. Uh, is Gonzalez ready to go from, from jump? Uh, that's important. I think he needs to be, I think he needs to be, you know, whether it's right away or pretty close to right away. I think they need that guy because I think it just, you know, if you're basing it on this, the skill set that he brings to the table and all of a sudden he's on one side, Jack's on the other and you can move John or have Marcus Jones on the inside, like that makes your your corner room, at least in terms of that front line, pretty good. So I think they need that. Um, and I'm just curious how that plays. I think the other thing, we haven't really talked about him. And we were talking about him a lot at the end of last year. Marcus Jones, where does he fit? I, you know, he, he still sees himself as a corner. I think we saw last year he can be pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands, which sort of goes back to what he did at Houston as well. Well, he took that to the National Football League, and the few times that he got a chance to touch it, he did well with it. I I think that maybe if you're if you're comfortable with Gonzalez, Jack Jones, and John Jones as your your three DBs as your three corners, maybe that gives Marcus a chance to get a little more offensive time and more play time. I'm I'm really curious to see how that goes here during. This, the summer, I, you know, I'm not sure that they're necessarily going to show us a lot, but I bet you they have an idea of what they want to do with Marcus. And I'm just not sure what that is yet. But he's someone that I'm I, I think he's really talented. And I, I'm just curious if they can maximize that talent uh, in, in whatever role it may be. Defensive surprise guy for me, I'm going to go with not that this is going to be a surprise, but somebody who, you know, impresses, I think. Jabril Peppers, he got off to a slow start, you know, with training camp, coming back from the knee injury. Um, and I think it was Cleveland to, you know, he was pretty good by the end of the season. I thought he looked really good in in OTAs. And, you know, I think, I think Mapu and Jabril Peppers are sort of X-factor guys for this defense that they can do a lot of things with. And um, it's just that Peppers is a little smaller than Mapu. I mean, you know, I – I could name Mapu here because I was just so blown away by him and, you know, that they gave him all that they did in the offseason practices to tackle the different positions and stuff like that. You never, ever, ever see that with a defensive rookie on the Patriots and that they felt comfortable enough to do that tells me, you know, they have big plans for him. Who's a who's a surprise for you, Mike? Yeah, I, I think that and it's I guess we talked about him so much. Is Mapu a surprise now based on all the right. conversations we've had about him since? We saw him in OTAs and how they utilized him. I was thinking about, as you were as you were saying, like we haven't seen anybody get that much as a rookie, like the different positions. And it's true. I, I can't think of anybody that I like, oh, my God, they, you know, they're here and there. But I do remember um, J.C. Jackson's first year. Um, and it was 
beginning of training camp. It was, it was, well, it was late OTAs and then beginning of training camp. And he was out there with the ones and you're like this guy and Jason McCourty was sidelined a little bit. So there was some, I think we were even talking at the time, like with McCourty, but they cut Jason McCourty after they traded him. Obviously ended up being here for three years, but that's the last guy I can think of that like was almost right away sort of force fed into a position. And you're like, okay, clearly they have bigger ideas for this player than, than any of us thought at the time. And I mean, they pretty much declared that they have bigger plans for Mapu um, from from jump to spring, so I'm I'm curious as to where they line up. Do they give him multiple spots, or do they, after looking at what they saw in the spring, do they say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play a linebacker or whatever, pick pick a spot, let's do that," and then maybe as the year goes on, we start to give you more responsibility. But you're right that it's very rare for them to do what they did with with a player like him, a young player like him in the spring. Guy who I think is going to disappoint is. Jalen Mills, I just think that like not that I'm down on the player, even though I'm not extremely high on the player, but I just think the position that he's in, like there's not really a spot for him at cornerback anymore with Gonzalez and Jay Jones and Jack Jones and Marcus Jones. Um, You know, so he's not really wanted there. And then, you know, back to safety. He has done some of that, but like, I don't know, it just seems like to me it could be a situation where. He gets a little bit lost in the weeds. And I think, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking like early in the season, like how much of a fumble like we missed it. Like we didn't talk about it enough about, you know, the whole replacing Devin thing, especially in the passing game. Like, I don't care about the running game. I don't care along the line of scrimmage. I mean, they have enough of those guys and they do fine. But I'm talking about like, you know, third and 10 against Josh Allen, against Joe Burrow, against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, guys that they're going to play, um, but you you know, Jalen Hurts in the first game, Tua, like, you know, they better be solid in the back end against a lot of the teams on their schedule, especially the first eight games or like, you know, it could get embarrassing. So, you know, what they do with Mills, they got to they got to bring him along well. If he's going to be the guy, which it seems like he will be the guy, he has the most traits to do that. Again, you know, Devin was a cornerback turned um, safety you know, because Devin couldn't play man to man. So they moved him to safety. Mills is sort of the same thing, not a great man corner, more of his own corner. Maybe that translates to free safety, but I have a feeling like, I don't think they've invested enough time into that. And I think it's going to show and he's going to struggle. What about you, Mike? Yeah. I think when we, when, when, if we're having this conversation six to eight weeks from now, we should just, or whatever, 12 weeks from now, we should bop this, um, podcast back out there because I think you and I both have reservations about how they attack that position. And um, Mills is a, is a great choice here because um, not to just agree, but I, I, I do, I, I think I didn't like him come when he came over and they, the idea was he was going to play corner. I was like, he, he doesn't run well enough to play corner. And, and he, he did fine. You know, like you said, it's not, it wasn't, a, he wasn't this huge, a liability out there, but also like, yeah, you didn't want to play a ton of man with him because that's not what he does. Well, we remember the CD lamb crossing pattern against Dallas in, in max rookie year, uh, a couple of years ago, mills trailing, just like can't even stay on the field with him. But now I wonder, okay, you're going to play center field. Do you have the range to be able to go from corner to corner and, and make the sorts of plays that, that Devin did or prevent, the sort of plays maybe he didn't make a ton of plays but prevent some of the plays that Devin did and I don't know that I don't think he runs as well as Devin did even last year when Devin wasn't running as well as he did so I think that's a, a someone absolutely will watch and uh there's that whole chess game too like 
if you think about some of the Patriots' best plans, um, you know, what they did to Mahomes a couple of times, especially the first half of the AFC Championship game when that team was rolling and didn't score a touchdown in the, in the first half. Um, who was central in all that? It, it was Devin. Like, maybe, again, not making all the plays, but the guy that was helping to disguise, the guy who was helping to line it up, the guy that was providing support over the top on guys like Tyreek Hill, it was Devin. Um, Bill likes to put a lot of faith and responsibility and safeties. I, I'm just, I'm curious as to whether or not Jalen can handle all that. That's that's a great point by you, because I think one of the underrated great talents of Devin McCourty that doesn't, you know, really get talked about except by, you know, football people is his ability to line up in one place, say like, you know, showing, you know, cover two shell and being sort of like a wide safety. And then all of a sudden, sprinting back and being, you know, the top of cover three and the single high safety and, and, you know, those sort of things early on in his career when they had other options of safety, you know, his ability to play robber, like his, his, his ability to quickly go from one place to another at the speed of an NFL game to me was wholly underrated. And I, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think they have anybody on their roster that can do that right now. And so that's going to hurt their disguise. So, um, Think about what they did against by... the Rams in the Super Bowl, right? And it, yeah. like, it was Jared Goff, and they were su- supremely confident about what they could do to Goff. But, like, the amount of disguise that they presented in that game, like, Goff, if they had Mike Goff in that game, I think he might have said, I'm seeing ghosts as well. We had, we had the famous Sam Darnold one, but I think Goff saw some things that he didn't uh, expect to see in that game as well. Yeah, great point. All right, Mike, we get going tomorrow. It's uh, no turning back now. You're locked in. I'm not letting you go. You can't get out until at least mid-February. So um, you better be ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's let's do this thing. Hey, and do we quickly want to mention Crazy Day in Boston Sports? Because you and I oh, right. Jalen Brown with the, 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 the richest contract in NBA history, which is he worth it? No, but is that what they get paid now? Yes, someone will exceed that in, you know, whatever, in the, in the next six months' time. And then, of course, Bergeron, which is the one that that I think really hits home for a lot of people. Um, you know, just a a tremendous Bruin. Maybe not the greatest Bruin, but in the conversation, in the top whatever five or so, um, and just someone who you could consistently trust for almost two decades now. That's a that's a massive hole in their lineup. Even if again he wasn't the same player that he was, he's still pretty damn good. And it's just uh, that was funny about the. Jalen Brown contract is just, you know, the thing that, you know, from covering the NFL where, you know, these guys literally put their lives on the line and they're scraping together like, you know, for, you know, like, you know, Lawrence Guy, that's part of his contract issue is like, you know, do I really want to beat myself up for four and a half million dollars? And here's Jalen Brown, who, look, he's a good player. He's not a great player. And he's going to be making something like 60 million dollars a year. Like, that's like you know, double, almost double what quarterback, good quarterbacks get in the National Football League, which is a much harder position. It's just, that blows me away. And, you know, Bergeron, to me, like, I, I just, and, and I'm I'm a huge Bruins fan. Um, my son plays hockey. So, like, we watch, like, all the games as, almost as a family, we watch all the games. And, um, you know, as my son came up in sort of the hockey ranks, like, I took, you know, great pleasure in, um, 
and, and pointing out Patrice Bergeron to him and, you know, and saying like, you know, when we would go to occasional practice at Warrior Ice Arena and stuff like that, and I would just tell him like, you know, watch that guy and, you know, listen to what he says in press conferences and how he talks and, and look at what he does in the community and, you know, any sort of behind the, behind the B thing or whatever on Patrice Bergeron, we, you know, we would watch because I wanted to show my kids and both kids, you know, my daughter too, um, because she's an athlete and we'd all sit down and, and, you know, I trust me, you know, from covering professional athletes in a wide array of sports, um, you know, you learn very quickly, like, you know, what you, what you believe a guy to be and to stand for just isn't true. It's just sort of the facade and, um, you know, you don't want, uh, you don't want to speak too highly about people, but Patrice Bergeron just as was one of those rare guys who just did everything the right way. He was complete in total class and I'm going to miss watching him, you know, play every single night and, you know, and wearing that C and, and, uh, you know, that's the thing that stands out for me. It's just like, you know, he, he ran the program for, you know, um, at least the last decade here. I mean, Chara was the captain and that's nice and all, but I'm sorry. It was Bergeron. Everybody followed Bergeron's lead and, and that's, that's invaluable to an organization. And I just wanted to say, you know, thanks as a fan and, you know, thanks for being a great example to, to kids in this area, because um, those are few and far between. They really are. Yeah. You and I were texting about it and I, I wrote a column for us and, and uh, the, the, you're like, do you, do you have like a behind the scenes, like something happened in 2011? And I was racking my brain trying to think of something. And you know what? I couldn't come up with something like I could tell you a million different stories that happened during that run for almost every player on the team. And I'll remember the, you know, the, between games one and two in, in Montreal, um, one and two, three and four, one and two, right? They they went to Lake Placid because they had an extra day and they wanted to get out of out of Montreal, they didn't want any fire alarms pulled. They want to go to Lake Placid, sort of prepare as a team and, you know, a little team bonding. And I have stories about every guy from the time that we were in Lake Placid. It was 24 hours. And I saw this guy here and I did this. And we gave Tim Thomas a ride and he was making fun of Claude Julian. And there was all these different things. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, we're out at the bar at the end of the night. And like, there's a bunch of Bruins there. And there's one Bruin player hitting on a Lake Placid girl. And there's, there's all these different things that are happening. No, it wasn't there. Patrice wasn't there. And I was, he was at the team dinner because we were eating. We just happened to be eating. Not too many places to eat in Lake Placid. We happened to be eating in the same place. So he was with the group. But then the most of the group went out. Patrice wasn't there. And I was, and I actually kind of think like, now that I'm thinking about it, like that's sort of like, he was just a classy dude. Not that these guys aren't classy dudes, but like, I'm about business. We're going to, you know, I'm, I'm a team. We're going to have dinner and then I'm going to go get my treatment and rest and be ready for practice tomorrow. And you guys do what you do to whatever blow off steam. I'm going to, I'm going to be back at the hotel room and that's that. And I just, he's just a classic, uh, a guy who got the absolute utmost out of his own ability, improved a lot over the course of time, uh, embraced a bunch of different things from, from different coaches. And just, uh, yeah, just, uh, I think if you, if you could, if you could clone him, I think every sport would clone. They'd want a guy like that on their, on their team. You're not the, not the, not the singularly the most talented guy, but the one who always gave you uh, everything he had and, and generally gave you positive play every single night. Well said, Mike. And uh, I will see you tomorrow. And sure. hopefully we see everybody uh, listening to us uh, over at BSJ and 
Michael have a Q&A later this week. Oh, shoot. That reminds me. I have to get back to mine um, because I got interrupted by we had a little snafu with the website today. So I have to do that as soon as we're done here. Uh, but yeah. Michael do a Q&A later in the week. But hopefully you guys come uh, join up, devour our coverage because uh, you're not going to want to miss it. 